0: Thanks for joining us today for the Fellowship Baptist Church podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Now, here's today's message. Take your Bibles and turn to Colossians chapter number 2. Colossians chapter number 2. As we're going to continue our series in uh the book of Colossians, complete in him. We're going to look at verses 8 through 15 this morning. And I do want to just say right off the bat that uh, we're not going to get much into a review this week because we have a lot to get into. Uh, verses 8 through 15, there's a lot to cover. And and honestly, there's some verses in there that you're like, what does that mean? And so uh, we're going to try to get into this as the best we can this morning. And it's really going to be a teaching lesson this morning. Uh, but I believe God has something for us uh, this morning in his word. And so. I want to focus on, and and I've entitled this this message, Spiritual Fullness in Christ. Spiritual Fullness in Christ. And so I want us to look at verse number eight. We're going to read verses eight through 15, and then we'll get into uh, the word of God this morning. The Bible says this in verse number eight. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him. He's speaking to believers. He's speaking to you this morning. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Like I said, there's some verses in here that it's like, what does that mean? Verse number 13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickeneth together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way nailing it to his cross and having spoiled principalities and powers he made a show of them openly triumphing over them in it i want us to see here spiritual fullness in christ let's pray lord we love you we are so thankful that we have had the privilege to come into your house today and lord just study god's word together pray together lord sing together all all Lord focused on you. Lord, I pray that as we get into your word today, we would see that we are spiritually full in Christ. We don't need anything else. All we need is Christ Jesus. And as we look at this passage of scripture, I pray that you would help us to see what we have in Christ, the provisions that we have, the spiritual provisions, and help us to continually, daily draw from those. God, we love you. We need you. We need to hear from you this morning. God, I pray that you would help me to say what you would only have me to say. Lord, that we would leave today differently than when we came in this morning. Lord, we do love you. We're so thankful for you. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. It is a very common occurrence in churches today that a group of people will get together and they try to gain control of a church. And in doing so, they capture it and the people away from the main focus. And that is Jesus and the gospel. And they people will have this group of people within churches will have these enticing suggestions that uh, that they have something better than Jesus. That they have something better than the gospel. And I believe Paul feared that something like this was happening within the church at Colossae. And so he wants to, them to know that, hey, your spiritual fullness is in Christ. You don't need anything else. Uh, and also that, that our, our fullness is in him alone. And so he begins to warn them to watch out for some hazards that they could fall into. To watch out for some spiritual hazards and that they have to watch out for. And also to draw from the spiritual provisions that they have in Christ. So I want to focus on those two things this morning as we go through this passage of Scripture. First of all, I want us to see that we are to watch out for spiritual hazards. Watch out for spiritual hazards. And I want all of us to be listening this morning. This is important stuff that we need to hear, that we need to take to heart. These are things that we need to watch out for here at Fellowship Baptist Church. Watch out for spiritual hazards. Look at verse number eight. The Bible says this, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit. So what Paul is doing here is he's continuing this military image like we spoke about last week with this warning. What he's saying is beware lest any man carry you off as a captive. That's what that, that means, that what he's saying there. Do you understand the false teachers in those days, like our days, were taking converts from the church as, and they were kidnapping them right? They were taking them captive, away from their main focus, away from the main thing. And understand, we might sit here and say, well, how is it possible that these false teachers were taking people, believers, captive in their church? It's possible because these believers lacked knowledge of the scripture. They did not understand what they believed and why they believed it. And because of this lack of knowledge, these false teachers were able to come in and to take them captive. You understand, if we don't know the doctrines of Scripture, we can easy, easily be swayed away with false doctrine. That's why it's so important for you to know the Word of God, for you to study it, for you to, to rightly divide it, for you to know the teachings of Scripture. This philosophy of, of the false teachers, it, the Bible says it was, it was vain deceit, right? So it was empty empty and deceptive. This philosophy that they were trying to push on these people was empty and it was deceptive for a couple reasons. First of all, we see because uh, it was after the tradition of men. It was empty and it was deceptive because it was after the tradition of men. Now understand here, the word tradition means that which is handed down. Know today that there are some good biblical traditions that have been handed down, amen? And we should hold to those things. But the question to ask when it comes to tradition is this, did it come from God or did it come from man? Did it come from God or did it come from man? This is a spiritual hazard we have to watch out for. You see, I believe if if a new Christian from let's say a foreign mission field were to come to America and they could come to the churches that we have in America, I believe that they would, they would quickly be astounded by the ideas and the practices that we have that cannot be supported by God's word. And that's a, that's a pitfall. That's a hazard that, that our church needs to look out for. That we are not following after the tradition of man. You understand uh, that our man-made traditions are usually more important to us than Bible, biblical doctrines? They can be more important to us. How do we know that? Because we can see people get so upset that they're able to leave a church because you took away a tradition of that church. But you will never see that individual involved in any outreach of the church. You will never see that individual getting willing to serve God with some aspect here at the church, you will not see that individual loving people. Why? Because tradition is more important than the doctrines of God's word. You see, the philosophies that that these individuals were teaching were empty and they were deceptive. Why? Because they were after the tradition of man. It's quiet in here this morning. Why is it quiet? Because it's, it's hard for us sometimes. We like traditions, And they're not a bad thing, but we must understand that, that, our, that man's tradition should never become equal to the doctrines and the teachings of God's word. Never become equal. The false teacher's traditions were also empty and deceptive for another reason, because they involved the rudiments of the world. Now, this took, took quite a bit of study, honestly, on this part. Because the rudiments of the world, is, it has several meanings that are attached to it. But in the, the Greek and the ancient Greece, uh, this word also meant the elemental spirits of the universe. Meaning the angels that influence the heavenly bodies. How do, we, how do I believe that that's what he's talking about, as the angels? Because if you look at verse number 10, he says, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. That's spiritual powers, right? And then look at verse number 18. He says this, let no man beguile you of your reward and voluntary humility and worshiping of what? Angels, of worshiping of angels. And so we find here that these teachings were concerned with the hidden forces that operate in the spiritual world. And Paul is saying, hey, watch out, be careful, because these people were acting as experts in the area of spiritual powers. They were saying and they were teaching that they could persuade angels to help other people. That they could, they could persuade them, that they were, and, and so Paul is saying that they were fixated on these things that they had no control over. It was an empty focus, an empty philosophy. Be careful of what your focus is. Be careful of what your focus is on. Because it might very easily be empty and deceptive, pulling you away from the true meaning. What does he say at the end of verse number eight? And not after who? Christ. There are these things that can pull us away from the focus, the main focus, and that is Christ. Be very careful. Beware of the spiritual. Hazards that you might uh, have a, a part in. Listen, this was an empty focus. So, so what does Paul do? He gives the true antidote for this problem. Look at verse number nine for this for, for this false teaching. He says, For in him, in who, church? In Christ, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and Power. Paul basically is saying, Listen, church, I want you to understand don't don't fall into these traps. Don't fall into these hazards that you might find yourself in because all fullness is in Christ. That's all we need. And you, he says, and you have been made complete in him. All the fullness is in him. And you, if you're saved today, you've been made complete in him. So why, why would we want anything else? Why would we want anything else other than Christ? We're complete in Him. See, Jesus Christ is the fullness of God and the fullness dwells continually and permanently in His body, in Him bodily. Listen, because all of the fullness of the Godhead is there in Christ, there is no more of God to be known than can be found in Christ. Did you get that? There is no more to be known of God that can be found in Christ. You see, when you start moving away from Christ, you're moving away from God. You leave Christ behind, you leave God behind. He is to be our main focus. This is why Paul could tell the believers, hey, listen, church in Colossians, you are complete in Him. Stop falling into these vain and deceptive philosophies and these traditions and and, and these rudiments of the world, these, these empty focuses. You're full in Christ. It says, and you are complete in Him. You see, every believer, that's you and that's me, those who've accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, shares in that fullness. You see, the tense of, of the Greek verb that, is in, that indicates here is that this fullness is a permanent experience. You see, when a person is born into the family of God, he is born complete in Christ. I want you to get this. When a person is born into the family of God, when he accepts Jesus, he is born complete. He is born complete in Christ. Christ. His spiritual growth is not by addition, but by nutrition. Our spiritual growth is not by addition, it's by nutrition. Do you understand? A believer grows from the inside out. Nothing needs to be added to Christ because he is already the very fullness of God. See, as a believer, Draws on Christ in His fullness. Then the Bible says in Ephesians three nineteen that we are filled unto the fullness of God. Draw unto Christ. Draw more from Him because in Him is the fullness of God. Listen, what more do we need? Paul's point was very was simply that this type of fascination with these empty empty philosophies and this elemental spirits, these worship of angels of the the world. And this focus on on man-made traditions was empty and it was deceptive. says, I want you to stay away from these things because those things will pull you away from Christ. Those things will pull you away from where your main focus needs to be. Listen, he has the power over all principalities and spiritual powers. That's what he says here in verse number 10 that we are complete in Him. Church, let me say this, and let me encourage you to beware of these hazards. Beware of these hazards. Where is your focus? Because if your focus is on Christ, it's not gonna be empty, you'll be full. Because all the fullness of Christ, of God dwells in Christ. So first of all, we see that we are to watch out for spiritual hazards. But then secondly, we are to then draw on our spiritual provisions that are in Christ. Draw on our spiritual provisions that are in Christ. We must understand that the false teachings that, that threatened the Colossian church were, we've talked about these things many times. They were the, it was Gnosticism, it was the Roman culture, and it was legalism. Legalism is what he really focuses in on here on on verses uh, 11 through 15, because apparently we find that these false teachers insisted that their converts, that the believers within the church would not be complete until, until they submitted obeying to the Old Testament law. They were requiring these individuals to obey the Old Testament law in order to be complete, in order to arrive. In order to be this elite Christian. And so Paul makes it very clear that Jesus Christ alone is sufficient for every spiritual need that we have. For all of God's fullness is in him. We are identified with Jesus Christ because he is the head, right? He is the head of the body, the church. And we are the members of the church. In verses 11 through 15, Paul explains some of the spiritual provisions that are in Christ that we can draw from now let me let me say this like I said before this is going to be teaching this is going to be learning what we have here in these in these uh, next few verses verse number 11 we find that first of all we are circumcised in him now I understand that that is a uh, that's a strange topic right It's a strange topic but we must understand what the bible says about this what does he mean when he speaks of this We need to know what what he's talking about. We need to know this provision that we have in Christ that we can draw from. So look at verse number 11. He says this, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now we understand if you know your Bible, that circumcision was a sign of God's covenant with the Jewish people. That was a sign of, of this covenant. And And though it was a physical operation, it had a spiritual significance, didn't it? And we find that these individuals, the problem was, is they weren't focused on the spiritual aspect. They were focused on the physical aspect. Now, let me say this. There's two two different legalisms that Paul really dives into. There's the Gnostic legalism and there's the Judaizers, the Jewish legalism. Now, the Jewish legalism is different than what he's talking about here. He attacks them in, in the book of Galatians. We find that these Jew, Judaizers, these legalists were saying, hey, you needed to, uh, it's, it's not Christ only for salvation. You needed to be circumcised and obey the Old Testament law in order to be saved, right? That's what they were teaching. That's what they were teaching. And that's not exactly what, what Paul is speaking of here because the Gnostic legalists, they believe that the Jewish law would help the believers become more spiritual. They would help them become more full, spiritually full. They said that if, hey, if you're circumcised, uh, and if you watch your diets, and if you observe the holy days, then you would become a part of this special elite group within the church. That's what they're teaching. You see, we don't necessarily teach that within our churches today, but understand there's a lot of that going on in our churches today this legalistic thinking, hey, listen, it's like me standing up here and saying, okay, well, you're not dressed like me. You're not dressed like me, so you're not elite. You don't listen to the same type of music that I listen to, and it has to be this, this, and this, and not this instrument, not this instrument. And and, and if you're not like me, then you're not elite. If you don't follow after this tradition of man or this tradition of man, then you are not elite. And we still see that going on in our churches today. People say and they feel like because of what they do on the outward, they are different than those who don't. They are this elite group within the church. And Paul is saying, beware of these things, watch out for these things. He says, we don't have to be involved in these things anymore. Listen, it was not necessary for the believer in those days to submit to circumcision. Why? Because he has already experienced a spiritual circumcision through Jesus Christ. That's what the verse number 11 says. You see, conversion does not mean that sin is gone for good in, in our life. But what it does mean is that the end of sin as the dominant power in our hearts and our minds has come to an end. Listen, when Jesus Christ died and when he rose again, he won a complete and final victory over sin. He said what? It is finished. It is finished. He not only died for our sins, which is salvation, but the Bible says that he died unto sin, which is sanctification. What the law could not do for us, Jesus accomplished for us. Listen, the old nature, the Bible says here in verse number 11, the body of the sins of the flesh. That is the old nature. It was put off by the circumcision of Christ. Spiritually speaking, listen, we didn't have to be enslaved to the desires of sin anymore. The old sinful nature, yes, it's still here today, but, and, and we can still sin, but the power has been broken as we yield to Christ and as we walk in the Spirit. He has the victory over it. Why? Because we are circumcised with Christ. Spiritually, the old nature is put off. We've been given a new nature. We now can walk in the spirit to where we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Circumcised with Christ. Not only that, but another provision that we should draw from is that we are alive in him. We are alive in him. Look at verse number 12. The Bible says, buried with him in baptism. This is where it gets a little tricky again. Wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Now, here Paul uses the illustration of baptism. We must keep in mind here that there are two different meanings of baptism in the New Testament. There's a literal meaning and there is a figurative meaning. The literal meaning is what? To immerse. That's baptized. That's why we dunk people under the water, right? It's immersion. The, the literal meaning, but the figurative meaning means to be identified with. For example, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 10 that the Jewish nation was baptized unto Moses when they crossed the Red Sea. Now we must understand they weren't baptized with water. Why? Because they walked on dry ground. They identified with Moses. They identified with him in crossing the Red Sea. And so Paul uses the word baptism in this figurative, figurative uh, sense in this section of his letter. Why? Because no amount of water could bury a person with Christ. No amount of water could make him or make us alive in Christ. Water baptism by immersion is a picture of that spiritual identification with Christ, Right? We identify with Christ, and so we are baptized to to picture, to symbolize the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ. But that's not what he's he's talking about here. Listen, when a person is saved, he is immediately baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. We're identified with the head, which is Jesus Christ. We are united to Christ by faith, the believer is both buried with Him and raised with Him. Aren't you thankful for that today? Buried with Him. Our sins are are gone, right? And we're raised to life. All of this took place. How? The Bible says in verse number 12, through the faith of the operation of God. Through the faith of the operation of God. It was the power of God that changed us, not water. Amen? Don't believe for a second that you need baptism for salvation. It's the power of God that changes us, not the water. Listen, the Spirit of God identified us with Jesus Christ. We were buried with him. We were raised with him. We were made alive with him. Those Greek verbs, if you study it, the tense is, is, it means co buried, co raised, co made alive. Isn't that incredible? With Christ, we are made alive in him understand because god raised his son from the grave we now have eternal life we are made alive in him but look at verse number 13 and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh flesh hath he quickened together with him having forgiven you all trespasses paul is saying listen we have experienced the, God, the power of God through faith in Christ. So why return to the deadness of the law, right? Why return to the deadness of the law and to the, the, the deadness of your sin? Listen, God has forgiven us all of our trespasses so that we have a perfect standing before him. And since we are identified with Christ and he is the fullness of God, what more do we need, church? What more do we need? Nothing. Nothing. Jesus is our spirit. We are spiritually full in him. Listen and let it flow from the inside out. Let it flow from the inside out. Understand, we find that we are circumcised with him. What a wonderful provision that we have that we can draw from. We are made alive in him. But then, number three, we are are free from the law in Him. Look at verse number 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. You know that Jesus not only took our sins to the cross, but He took the law to the cross? Not only did He take our sins to the cross, but He took the law and He nailed it there. Forever out of the way. The law was certainly against us. Why? Because we could never meet its holy demands. It was always against us. And when he shed his blood for sinners, Jesus Christ canceled that huge debt that we had. That debt that we could never pay that was against us because of our disobedience to the law of God. In Bible days, financial records were often, they were put on parchment and as as, uh, uh, writing could be washed off of this. And this is the picture that Paul is painting here in this passage of scripture. Uh, Understand, how, how could a holy God be just in canceling a debt? God paid sin's debt when he gave his son on the cross. And he upheld the holiness of his law. I love what he says here. In verse number 14, he says, blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, it was contrary to us, and He who took it away, Jesus Christ took it out of the way. He took it upon Himself. He, he fulfilled the law. Amen? He fulfilled the law. And He went to the cross and He nailed it there for us. Listen, Jesus Christ did even more than cancel our debt. He took the law that condemned us and He set it aside so that we are no longer under its dominion. We are delivered from the law, Romans 7 6 says. We are not under the law, but under grace, Romans 6 14 says. This does not mean that we are lawless because the righteousness of the law is fulfilled in us as we walk in the Spirit of God, according to Romans 8 4. Listen, our relationship with Jesus Christ enables us to obey God out of love. Amen? Our relationship to Jesus Christ enables us to obey God out of love, not out of this slavish fear. That's why, listen, let me, let me encourage you. Stop trying to add this or that or this or that. Stop trying to add all of those things to your Christian life in order to gain favor with God. Stop trying to add all of these things. Just keep loving Jesus. Just keep Him first in your life. Just keep serving Jesus with your life. Listen, we don't need to add this tradition or this tradition or this philosophy to Jesus Christ. No, just keep Him number one. Keep loving Him. We are free from the law in Him. And then lastly, we are victorious in Him. Can I get an amen? We are victorious in Him. Look at verse number 15. He says, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. See, Jesus not only dealt with sin and the law on the cross, but he also dealt with Satan. He also dealt with the principalities in the spiritual darkness. Speaking about his crucifixion, Jesus said this in John chapter 12, verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. You see the death of Christ on the cross, it looked like a great victory for Satan, right? He's gone. Jesus is dead. One, and one day has passed. Two days has passed. He's gone forever. But praise God on the third day, he rose to new life. He rose from the grave being victorious over the grave. Victorious over Satan. And just like the prophecy in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15, Satan's head was crushed. He can never overcome it. Because Jesus is victorious. Listen, according to this verse, Jesus had three victories on the cross. First, we find in verse number 15, look at it, and having spoiled principalities and powers. That word means, that word spoiled means disarmed. He disarmed the principalities and powers. What did he do? He stripped Satan and his army from whatever weapons they held. You understand, Satan cannot harm the believer who will not harm themselves. That's why we must continue to watch and to pray. Peter didn't do that. He didn't continue. And what happened? That's when Satan came in. Watch and pray. But also, secondly, the Bible says that he, he, he uh, uh, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly. What does he mean? It means that Jesus exposed the enemy publicly. He exposed the enemy publicly, exposing Satan's deceit, exposing his vileness in his death and in his resurrection and in his ascension. Christ vindicated God and vanquished the devil. Amen? Praise God, he, he made a show. He he exposed them publicly. But then lastly, we see in the word triumphing. You see, in those days, whenever a Roman general won a great victory, whenever he took over a foreign land, he took captives and he took a lot of, of loot from that foreign land and he gained a new territory for Rome. Whenever that would happen, the Roman general would come back into To uh, into town and and what they would have is they would have this official parade and it was known as the Roman triumph. He had conquered the land. He had taken the loot. He had won the victory. And Paul is relating it to this and that Jesus Christ won a complete victory for us and he returned to glory in a great triumphal procession, amen? And they praised him for who he is Victorious and understand one day when we get to heaven, we will for all of eternity continue to praise him and say, Hey, Jesus, you are our savior. You are our victor. Amen. You are victorious in you, and that will continue for all of eternity. What a wonderful thing. Triumphant in Christ, we are victorious. Why? Because you and I. Share in his victory over Satan, over sin, over death. And as we claim the victory of Christ, what do we need to do? We need to use the armor that he has provided us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10 and 11, and continue to trust him. Why? Because in him we are victorious. What a wonderful, wonderful position and provision that we have in Christ. But are we drawing from it? Are we drawing from it? Are we living up to it by faith? Are you a believer today, this morning? You know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. You've placed all of your trust in Him. Listen, He's your Savior from sin. You're you're no longer eternally separated from God. Is that you this morning? Listen, if you have truly accepted Jesus Christ, do you appreciate the spiritual provisions in which we have in Christ? Are we drawing from those? Listen, knowing that we are spiritually full in Christ, it should cause us to stop and think before we adopt any type of philosophy or tradition. Because we know that we're full in Him. We should beware and look out for those hazards that, that are placed out in front of us all of the time. Church, let us be a church that says, hey, we are full in Christ and he is going to be our main focus. We are going to try to keep him first in our life because we know that we are full in Christ. Church, listen, we are completely and spiritually full in Jesus Christ. Do you believe that? Listen, if you believe that, watch out for the spiritual hazards, because it's empty. It's deceptive. And continue to draw on the provisions, the spiritual provisions that we have in Christ. We are circumcised in him. We are alive in him. We are victorious in him. Draw from those things because we are full in Christ. Thanks for listening to this sermon from Fellowship Baptist Church. Come visit us at 2501 Michigan Avenue, Panama City, Florida. For more information or to donate to this ministry, visit fbcpanamacity.com. Have a great week.